0: going to bring us our first reading for this morning. If you'd like to come up and do
1: your reading, that'd be brilliant. Thank you.
0: Rise up, O God, and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate God run for their lives. Blow them away like smoke melt them like wax in the fire let the wicked perish in the presence of god but let the godly rejoice let them be glad in god's presence let them be filled with joy sing praises to god and to his name sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds his name is the lord Rejoice in his presence. Father to the Father, Defender of widows, This is God, Whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely In families. He sets the prisoners free And gives them joy. But he makes them Regular rebellious life in a sun scorched land. Oh God, when you led at your people out from Egypt, when you marched through the dry wasteland, the earth trembled and the heaven poured downwards before. You, the God of Sinai, before God of Israel, but you sent abundant rain, O God, to refresh the weary land. There your people finally settled, and with a bountiful harvest, O God, you provide for your need, O people. The world gives the world and a great army brings the good news. Enemy kings and their armies flee while the women of Israel divide the plunder. Even those who lived among the sheepfolds found treasures, doves with wings of silver and feathers of gold. The almighty scattered the enemy kings, like a blowing snowstorm of Mount Zalmon. The mountains of Bashan are majestic, with many peaks stretching high into the sky. Why do you look with envy, O rugged mountains, at Mount Zion, where God has chosen to live, where the Lord Himself will live forever, surrounded by unnumbered thousand of chariots, the Lord became the Mount Sinai into His in name. When you ascend to the heights. You led a crown to captives, you earned gifts from the people, even those from those who rebelled against you. Now the Lord Lord, God will give them all us there. Praise the Lord, praise God our Savior, for each day He carries us in his arms. Our God is a God who saves the sovereign Lord, rescues us from death.
1: As Tim has said, this reading is chapter 4 from the book of Revelation. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing These are the seven spirits of God. Also, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is... And is to come whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being."
2: I'm told that in May this year NASA increased the number of planets they know exist outside our solar system. Using the Kepler telescope they apparently found 1,280 new planets, increasing the number they definitely know are out there, to 2,325. And if you think that doesn't sound very many, you'd be absolutely correct. Those are the ones, apparently, that they have definitely and specifically identified. But current thinking seems to be that planets tend to cluster around stars... And so there's a strong probability that every single star in the sky has at least one planet next to it or orbiting it. That means in the corner of our universe alone, there are billions of planets and worlds out there. And beyond our galaxy, there are billions more. The number is simply unquantifiable. And how many of them sustain life? As far as we know we are still the only one. Out of countless billions. So this harvest is worth reminding ourselves that we need to take very good care of this planet. Because as far as we know, it is completely irreplaceable. This one goes, that's it. So why in a universe that is vast, Does this planet exist at all? John in Revelation gives us a deceptively simple answer. The 24 elders in his vision there in heaven worshipping God, those elders who most likely represent the 12 patriarchs of Israel from the Old Testament and the 12 apostles in the New, they simply say, Our Lord and God is worthy to receive glory and honour and power because he created all things. By his will they were created and have their being. In short, we are here on this life-sustaining planet simply because God wanted to make us. You don't need to believe in God to be amazed and dumbfounded by the wonders of the world in which we live. Whether you examine it through a microscope in the minutest detail or whether you try and capture the amazing wonders of the universe with a powerful telescope, there is no denying that what you see from the subatomic particle to the space out there, it is breathtakingly beautiful and extremely intricate. There are those who wonder with some degree of justification whether a universe as finely tuned as complex as this one could ever have developed purely by chance. Mathematically, the odds against it are so great But they said the only way you can account for it is to posit an infinite number of possible universes, only one of which happens to work. And lo and behold, here we are in this one. Or you could say, maybe, just maybe there's a creator's mind behind it. I'm inclined to favour the latter option, and not just because I'm a Baptist minister. For me, what swings it is the gratuitous beauty we see in our world and in space. Ours doesn't look to me like a purely functional planet, which is what you might expect if everything did what it did just in order to survive. When we look at our world, there is so much to admire. And the most beautiful work of art that we can make can only reflect what is there already in creation. When we read the story of creation in Genesis, what God says at the end of each day is not, well, that seems to work okay. His assessment is, that's good. That's good. The authorised King James Version translates Revelation 4.11 as, Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That may not be the most accurate translation in the world, but it does capture the idea that what is here is here because it pleased God to make it. Why did God decide to make a habitable planet and put us on it? Because it was his good pleasure to do so. And when we find delight in this world, we show that we are made in his image because we share his capacity to recognise and appreciate the splendour of the universe. Another advantage the authorised version has, at least over the NIV in its translation of Revelation 4.11, is that it captures the strange order in which John talks about how the world exists by the will of God. By thy pleasure they are and were created. The NIV opts for a more logical order. By your will they were created and have their being. But John talks about existing first and then being created by the word of God. And it's possible that in his mind was the idea that everything that is existed beforehand in God's mind. That's what they thought at Qumran, the place where the Dead Sea Scrolls were written. The community rule says, From the God of knowledge stems all there is and all there shall be. Before they existed, he established their entire design. And when they have come into being at their appointed time, they will execute all their works according to his glorious design. In other words, God's pleasure in creation never takes the form of a, well, I never expected that. But rather he's always able to say and glad to be able to say, as things develop and events unfold, that is exactly what I had in mind. And somewhere along the vast scale of size, infinitely bigger than some atomic particles and infinitely smaller than the uncharted scale of the universe, come people, you and I, made in God's image. We have the privilege of knowing and recognizing God as our creator. Psalm 148 summons the whole of creation to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, and then us, kings of the earth, all nations, you princes, all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above the earth and the heavens." Everything God has made, worshipping the one who made it. And we join in with that. In his vision of God seated on the throne, John is faced with the task of trying to describe what is essentially beyond words. John Lennon has written a great little book published by Scripture Union back in 1996 entitled Encounter with God in Revelation. He sums up Revelation 4 well. The glory of God bathes heaven... In incandescent radiance. Language peters out, description is exhausted, the scene appears quarried out of ecstatic fire, teasing the imagination out of all thought. But when John tries to describe the realities of what he sees in heaven, he plunders the world for visions and images. So precious stones like Jasper and Carnelian are used to describe God. That's all he can see of him. God's throne is surrounded by an emerald rainbow. The weather features in this theophany. Flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder come from the throne of God. The sea, shining bright as crystal as it reflects the light, adds to the splendour of the scene. And then there are four living creatures. Each with six being covered in eyes, which is a bit bizarre. But the face of each creature represents the best of creation. The lion, the king of wild animals. The ox, king of domesticated farm animals. The eagle, the king of the birds. And the human, maybe the king of creation as a whole. And these four living creatures, representing wild animals, domesticated animals, birds in the air and people, never stop giving God glory and honour and thanks, declaring day and night That the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come is holy, holy, holy. And when we as people declare the praises of God, we do so as representatives of the best of creation and we do so alongside the rest of creation. The vision of heavenly worship then serves as a corrective to human arrogance in respect to the world in which we live. We sometimes are tempted to suppose that because we are arguably the most advanced species on the planet, we are at liberty to use it for our own ends. But we didn't create the world. And the world is not ours to use as we see fit. The worship of the four living creatures reminds us that we are part of God's creation. When we worship God, we acknowledge that he is the creator that we fit in with the rest of the world and that we depend upon him for our existence. Worship puts us in our place in a good and right way. It's easy to forget how dependent we are actually on God for life. I woke up the other morning and took a few deep breaths before I got up. And it suddenly struck me, I've been doing that all night. Without stopping. Without thinking about it. Was I conscious that I was breathing? No. Was I aware that I was breathing? No. Though I would have been aware of it had I had any difficulties. It's not just a matter of breathing at night. For the past 53 years my body has kept breathing without me having consciously to think, take another breath Tim, take another breath. It just happens. I'm not a self-made man. None of us is. None of us has that degree of control over our lives. We're all mortal We've all been created, each and every one of us, by the God who unlikes us, who unlike us lives forever and ever, and invites us to share eternal life with Him. Our lives are in His hands. We are not in control of who we are. But if we feel good about who we are, and if we admire the world in which we live, then it's appropriate to join with the elders in saying that our Lord and God is worthy to receive glory and honor and power because He created everything that we admire. In an ancient world a ruler was recognised as being worthy when the honour and power he received were commensurate with what he'd done. I think when you look at the marvels of the world it's appropriate to say to its creator good job. And then I think about those 24 elders each of them dressed in white, wearing a crown, sitting on the throne. These were clearly VIPs. These were red carpet people wearing the best clothes, sitting in the best seats crowned with crowns, declaring they are worthy of honour. Yet before the eternal God, they get off their thrones. They cast their crowns at his feet, prostrate themselves in worship. It is a way of acknowledging that no matter how great we may become, no matter how much we achieve, no matter what heights we attain in terms of prestige or success, the reality is that were it not for God, we wouldn't even exist. So it's right that we get off our thrones. Stop thinking about how important we are. Take off our crowns and stop being obsessed with our own achievements. And we offer who we are and what we've been able to achieve to the God who made us with all that potential in the first place. John Ruskin said, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small parcel. This harvest... Without any unhealthy sense of self-importance. Let's strive to be the best that we can be. And achieve the best that we can do. But let's dedicate that to God. As an act of worship. Because he's the one who made us. And gave us that potential. And he's worthy of the best that we can bring to him. If we offer to him in daily worship in our lives. So let's pray. Lord, we live in an amazing world. And we thank you for it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for the potential that you've given to each of us. The ability, capacity to reach new heights, to achieve great things enable us to do all that we are able to do but deliver us from conceit deliver us from selfishness from placing ourselves at the centre of our own universe Lord you've made all that is there is and you've given us so much Enable us to offer our lives as worship to you, our Creator, our Lord, our Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen.